Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Today we're talking to Janae Marentate. And Janae is the creatrix of Kitchen Witch Gourmet Tea and the author of the book Tea Magic, which is what we're going to talk about today. She has been a practicing kitchen witch most of her life and has had the freedom and joy of being brought up magical. This has allowed her to move into the world as a magical being, using her talents to create a line of edible magic of her teas. I found this book fascinating, love it. And um, so I want to welcome you to the show and thank, thank you for you. being here. You have so much in this book. And um, first I want to ask you, how did you get into tea? I mean, being magical, you've got, could have gone anywhere. So how did you get into tea? You know, um, a lot of us grow up with tea. Some of us don't. But tea is such a comfort. It's such a, a natural thing that we brew up. And I just got into tea one day. It just struck me like, wow, kid, witches, we brew tea. We brew potions. We There's so many levels to tea. And so I found, you know, anytime I was like reading tarot cards or palm reading or whatever it was magically doing with my girlfriends, we would always make the tea. And I thought, let's, there's, there's more to this tea than, than we're just giving credit to. Tea is always there, but how is it always in my rituals? How is it always in my magical practices. And so I just really started vibrating on it and it just swallowed me up. The more I learned about it from the history, the mystery, the magic, the health benefits, I just devoured it. And as a kitchen witch and, uh, you know, I just got into it. So it's kind of like brewing your potions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're so familiar. I'm so familiar. Let me pick up with black tea. I mean, in the last 10, 20 years, I've become more familiar with green tea. Not my favorite, I have to say, but um, I've been mostly black tea. But you get into all the different teas. Um, Earl Grey surprised me, to be honest, that um, the benefits of that. But you want to run through some of the teas and, and the sure. benefits? So first of all, I want to say that tea, um, a green tea, black tea, white tea, yellow tea is all the same plant. So sometimes people don't understand that green tea and black tea, the only difference is how it's processed and how it's dried. White tea is a baby tea. So when it, when it comes up, it's got all the white little hairs on the buds. And so it's white and it's low in caffeine, high in antioxidants, a mild florally flavor. Green tea is a more mature bud that um, has come up and it comes up and is plucked and then dried. And it's either flash fried, which is the Chinese style, or it's steamed to dryness, which is the Japanese style. And then black tea is fermented green tea, and it's lower in antioxidants, but has that more rich, chocolatey, earthy flavor that the Europeans and Americans are most familiar with. Uh, green tea is more of an Asian flavor palette. It's um, really how uh, the Eastern world really drinks tea is the green tea. And it is the highest in antioxidants and it is the highest in health benefits. It's in the highest um, realm of helping suppress appetite, helping uh, create a cellular uh, production so your body works quicker and better. It cleanses it out and keeps it high energy, keeps away all those nasty free radicals that are hitting us from the environment. And um, it's just really the 
the healthiest tea is green tea. Black tea, of course, has um, health benefits, not quite as many, but it also has a higher caffeine content than the green tea does. And then yellow tea, pu'er, um, is all tea. It's just how it's cured. So pu'er is a uh, as a tea that is uh, steamed and pressed, and it's for like storage. And that's really where like the fine wine of tea comes in because you can age the tea as it's pressed for years and years and years. And it's it's microbials are in there still breaking it down and changing the flavor. And that's when you get like really earthy chocolatey cherry flavors is in that puerh tea and um like yellow tea is kind of as in between a, a green tea and a black tea it's kind of been wilted a little bit it's been deprived of light is why it gets turned yellow that's um, not something we drink a lot in the u.s it is i've never kind of, heard of it actually yeah, i had to look up so, yellow see, tea there's yeah. so many teas <laughs> i know it's yeah. crazy and um yeah, so that's just some of the teas. So the main difference mm -hmm. is, is how they're cured is what makes a green tea, a black tea, a yellow tea, a puer tea, you know, on and on. That's the main difference. Is any more magical than any other of the teas? Depends on what you're using it for, you know? Like if you're doing any kind of rituals or, or where you really want to gain some clarity or you really want to bring health into your life, I would really start with a green tea. If you're doing some deep divination where you're really looking into the, the looking into like your looking glass or your hydromancy, your water scrying, your tea leaf reading, I would suggest a black tea on that. So it just kind of depends on the magic that you're working. Mm -hmm. And um, where did the whole put milk in it? You know, and does that yeah. does that mess with the magic? <laughs> it doesn't. Um, so okay, so it's so hard to talk about tea without getting into the history. So when tea, oh, yeah, when little tea history would be good. <laughs> coming from China into Europe. Um, there was just one port that the tea would come out of. It would take, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks for the tea to come out of the mountains of China to get to the port in Hong Kong to get on the ships. The ships would have to travel, you know, all the way around, you know, South Africa and up to Europe. So it would take so long for the tea to get there. And that's how black tea was actually created was by the heat and cold being on the ships. So by the time the ships got to Europe, the tea would be rotten and fermented and they would fluff it up and then they would, you know, serve it to the English. The Chinese had no idea when the Europeans were coming back to China saying, hey, we want the black tea. We want the black tea. And the Chinese were like, we only have green tea. What, what, what are you talking about? So it was the process of getting the tea to Europe, which turned it black. And that's why Europeans, Americans really like black tea, because that's what they were accustomed to getting. So with that being said, cream and sugar would often be added to the black tea to enhance flavor. Also, as the tea began to sweep across Europe and tea started to replace the normal morning beverage of um like fermented wine or beer or you know people you know people were drinking booze in the morning so they really found that they liked to get to drink the tea because tea was giving them a put a little pep you know let's face it caffeine is a drug so it was giving them a little pep in their step and they were really enjoying it instead of the alcohol they're having more productive days and then they were like, well, let's add a little cream to this to, you know, enhance the protein content. So adding cream to the tea has come twofold. Um, one, to enhance flavor. Two, to add protein to make it more of a morning breakfast delight. Mm. And we've all ended up with the black tea with cream and sugar. <laughs> and then the fun part about using the cream and the magic is we all see, you know, and the English will say only milk for tea because it, it won't overpower the flavor of the tea. Mm -hmm. And we've all seen how much fun it is to add cream to our coffee or our tea and see those bursting of clouds and those quick minutes of scrying and those quick messages that can come through. 
And through tea magic and through using uh, tea as a magical medium, if you take it one step further and you add heavy whipping cream to your tea, like a real nice, rich, dark cup of tea, if you add the heavy whipping cream instead of milk, it the fat content in that takes a little longer to release those clouds and bubbles. So the scrying magic lasts longer. So the pictures that you get, the blooms that you get, the answers that you get can become a little clearer by using a little heavier milk in that. Now we're jumping ahead now. And oh, I'm, I'm doing sorry. It. <laughs> I'm going for it. Because in your book, you also talk about writing in the teas. You, you, in fact, I've got a, I have it down here someplace because I didn't understand the term. Um Oh, I'm not finding it right now. Oh, S-I-G-I-L. Oh, sigils. Yes. Yes, So sigil is a magical, what it means is a magical symbol. That's what a sigil is. And that can be as simple as a heart. And we all know that a heart represents love. Like that's almost universal. So if you write a heart in your T, with milk then, then with milk or with your teaspoon or with your honey or whatever you're using it and you're um intentionally visualizing love in this cup of tea through this heart through this sigil and then you imbue that so you drink that into you you're taking in love so if you excuse me if you have a, a magical symbol that you made up that represents protection for you and your family. So you've combined the your husband's first initial, your wife's first initial, your child's first initial, your lover, whatever it is. If you create this magical symbol and then you write that into your tea with the intent of protection and you put your meditation, your visualization, your magical sigil into the tea. And then when you imbue that in with the intent of protection, you are now not only do you have that magical symbol, but you've taken that magical symbol inside. So through tea magic, you can actually become your magic by actually having it inside of you and then using your energy and your vibration to push that into the world. And in your book, you show other symbols as well to use in your tea to, to make. First of all, I have to ask, how easy is it to make? Because <laughs> I've never done it. I know Starbucks does it all the time in their coffee, but I've never done it where I actually wrote something in my tea with my milk so or with the spoon or in any way. How easy is that to do? Well, it's not going to, it's the, it's the vibration of, of doing it. So it may not, you might not see it in the milk or see it in the tea because it gets dissolved and just kind of into the water. So you have to know that by, by writing that in there, that it's in there. If you have um, like a heavy cream on top, like it's like Starbucks does it through their, their froth on their milk. So you're able to get things to stick on that, medium because the milk is heavy and bubbly so you can get things to stay on there with there's not there's not really that in a tea so you just have to know that when you're doing your tea magic and creating your sigils on there that it is in there because you put it in there and you either put that in there with your uh, charged spoon or your, your magical your magic wand your spoon or with your honey or your milk that you've actually put it in there so if it's a little bit sloppy or a little bit not perfect, that's okay because that's what magic is. That's what kitchen witchery is, is it isn't always perfect. It isn't always an exact magic is an art, <laughs> so not necessarily a science. <laughs> Some of the ones you use is um, a square for stability. Mm -hmm. And the square for stability is you also want to, when you're using that one, you want to call in north, south, east, west. So you want to call in your directions. And so when you are in a foundation and, and it, you, that relates to a home, right? Usually a home is a square. So when you need stability, you find stability in your home, you find stability in, in north, south, east, west. So you call that in, I call in stability into this cup of tea, into my life, into um, 
my being from the north, from the east, from the south, west. So mm-hmm. I do that. You also have a third eye enhancement and clockwise spiral and counterclockwise spiral. Yeah. Quite a few in here. And you have uh, uh, the invoking. So you can do quite a lot. (laughs) A lot of magic here with this. We did jump ahead. So I hope that's okay. Fine. We'll we'll jump And then you have a banishing sign as well, which that's a big one. (laughs) it is it is and you know especially if you want to just banish some negative energy between you and a friend or you and your mom or whoever you're having tea with where there's been just a little spat you can make the cup of tea make the pot of tea add your banishing sigil in there and while you're putting the banishing sigil in there you want to be really clear with this sigil with this banishing sigil i banish the negative argument we had about what we were going to serve at dinner or what you know whatever it is we all have our different arguments and so when you serve your tea to your guest or to yourself with the, with the intent that you're letting go of whatever it was so you want to put that sigil in there imbue that in have your guest imbue that in to release the negativity same with bringing things to you you know calling forth so as you call forth the things that you want to have into your life, that's more of a clockwise direction. And that's that's magic across the board. You know, most people know that, you know, you're going to use your circles clockwise is bringing to you. So if you're this putting is that a in, spiral, the yeah, clockwise spiral. Exactly. Yeah. So put it in your tea, take it inside of you and then become that magic, become that really become the energy moving, breathing, magically creating, attracting to you. And what is the third eye? You have a symbol of the third eye. Yeah, you Sigil. know, that's Sigil, you know, I should be saying third eye. <laughs> that's opening up to receive messages, to receive um to magic to be clearer on things to really open up to um depending on how you want to use that third eye if you want to use it to get visions messages from the other side if you want to use it to get messages from your guardian angels from your archangels if you just want to open that third eye psychically to help you um see what's going on in the shadows around you so you would create the eye symbol in your teacup with your intentions on what you are asking for. And to go to, to jump a little bit with this is these sigils and your tea. You also want to know what kind of tea you're brewing, especially I was wondering like that. Yeah. To, tea, you know, does that good, matter? Yeah. Good green tea. Uh, maybe we we'll put a little ginkgo biloba in there because that really enhances memory and focus. So if you're trying to call for some past life stuff, you know, the, the memory enhancement of the ginkgo will help your, your mind open and receive that. Um, so, so when you're brewing up your cauldron and you're brewing your teacup cauldron and you're making your potions and you're taking them in, um, and in the book, there's a whole reference at the end of different kind of herbs that you can mix with your green teas, white teas, black teas to make these potions, elixirs, teas. You go through all the different types of teas as well at the beginning of the book. And then you have rest recipes, I call them at the end of the book as well, which is great, which is great. Um, I'm going to back up again. I mean, we could really wander into the, you know, the the scrying and the, um, and having tea with the dead and all that, which we'll get to, (laughs) but I want to go back to the water and how important the water is. Okay. So the better the water, the better your cup of tea for sure. You mm-hmm. definitely want to have a nice, clean, filtered water to make the best tea. And there are, um, you know, this is where I kind of, do you remember Tivana? Like they had malls, stores and malls all over the place. And they were really into, you must brew tea at this temperature. You must drink tea with this kind of water. And all of mm-hmm. that is true for your best flavor, for your best all of that. However, most of us just grew up boiling our water and dumping it over our tea and bam, we had tea. 
And I still think that's <laughs> that's fine. I still think if the only water you have is water out of your sink, I think, bam, that's fine. Um, so don't, just because you don't have filtered water or just because you don't have access to the the right, you don't, a thermometer for your right temperature, don't let that stop you from drinking tea. Um, there, But there are many kinds of waters that you can create tea with. And, um, you know, you can do some, there's a great section in the book about like using melted ice, snow water, their mm-hmm. rainwater. And headwaters you talked about. There are headwaters. Now there's not, you know, I live in Northern California, so we have a plethora of great water. And there are some places that I wouldn't recommend using the headwaters, but we have Mount Shasta that I think is the most amazing headwater that you can get. And then I just go right up to the mountain and take the water out of the stream and that is fantastic and that already now is imprinted with like fresh clean gaia water to add into your tea ritual and your teacup cauldron also you can take your tea and um your teapots and your teacups and you can set them out in the rain to cleanse away any kind of negativity to wash away any kind of energy that's maybe attracted itself to your tea or teacups or teapots because as we use our teacups and our teapots sometimes magic residue sticks in them so if you want to do a natural cleansing do a natural cleansing or use a saltwater cleanse you know Either will work. Salt water in the kitchen, great. You want to do a full moon charging of your teapot? I was just thinking about how about the charging? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you clean and charge by the moon at the same time? You can. um, I I would really suggest that you cleanse first and then recharge by the moon. And with the intent that in this teapot or in these teacups, I'm charging with the light of the full moon to bring in abundance or, you know, to release as the moon fades, to release negativity, whatever magic you're working, whatever you're you're following. Um, I guess I would say start with something cleansed or I use this full moon to blast out any negativity left inside my teacups or teapots. So you would want to be clear rather than confuse the energy. You are jumping around a lot. I do apologize. That's okay. been here. I wrote the book. You... I could do it front and back. <laughs> Good. I hope my audience is fine with this because I want to go back to meditating with tea, yeah. you know, which we, we didn't really kind of go to the basics, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard. Yeah. Like I said, the history gets me all and then we go, okay, so meditating with tea um, really is the first step in tea magic, especially when you pour your, your water and the beautiful aromas come in and cleanse your mind. Like if you're doing an herbal tea and you've got like peppermint, you pour your, your water over your peppermint and the steam rolls up. Now you've got aromatherapy and you're getting this mint that's blowing open the synapses in your brain and really triggering, you know, go and motivation. And so that is a cup of meditation right there. So as the synapses are opening up and you start to meditate on the things you want to do in the day, that is very helpful. If it's just a beautiful cup of green tea or black tea, it's the same thing. It's the warmth. It's bringing in the steam in through the nose, out through the mouth, just calming your thoughts, what you want to accomplish in the day, what you'd like to accomplish in the week, just focusing on what it is that you're asking the universe for, that you're asking yourself for and pulling it in and letting it go. And usually through some people find it so hard to meditate. I don't have time to meditate, but if you take the time to do it with just one simple cup of tea, that's really all it takes two to four minutes to just enjoy that, that scent, let it go, release it. And that is how you meditate with tea. That's great. Um, you will talk again back to the water. You talk about the water quite a bit and the charging and the days of the week mm-hmm. with water, which I kind of didn't get. <laughs> well, you know, it depends. You know, 
in many in many cultures and Nostradamus, I'm bringing that into Nostradamus. Oh, don't get me started there. <laughs> so there, different days of the week have represent different power points, you know. And and anybody that really studies a lot of magic gets that. Like you know, there are certain days that are better for business. There are certain weekdays that are better for like Monday is you know Moon Day. So if you're doing work with the Moon, Monday's a great day to start your tea magic on that day. You know, Friday, Freya's day, Thursday's, Thor's day, you know, so there's different days that really, you know, Thor gets things done. Boom. That's a good thing to do a business ritual or a business tea. So different days of the week to start different magical practices or different magical spells or different meditations can all be wrapped in. It's not just the phase of the moon that affects us, but it is the days of the week. It is the months of the year. It's the whole wheel that we are involved in, that we walk within, that we breathe within, and that we have tea within. So the Nostradamus... I'm sorry. Before we start Nostradamus, Uh I want to take a break now, and then let's come back and talk about Nostradamus, because that's going to be a longer conversation, I think. Okay. okay, we'll be right back. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, we're back with Janae Marantate. And we've been talking about tea and tea witchery. And now we're going to talk about the water. We had just right before we took a break, started to talk about water. And we're going to talk about water scrying with Nostradamus. So I'm going to give it to you now. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. So let's first of all start with its technical word, which is called hydromancy. And hydromancy is probably one of the oldest forms of scrying and scrying is crystal ball reading or um, that's that scrying kind of like staring off into space and on focus on a focused object that's scrying and what scrying would be done the first scrying would be done like under a full moon under a smooth lake you know maybe the enchantresses or magicians would come down and and you know look into the water and and see visions you know because Water is ever moving, ever living, holding vibrations, past, present, and future. Water is an endless cycle. You know, it 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 starts, it rains down, it fills the land, it evaporates back up, it takes takes with it all the energy, and then it rains back down. So water is its own living entity. So when you start with a water scrying as, you know, under under a full moon, under a lake. That would be first hydromancy and you can use hydromancy um, anywhere instead of a crystal ball, you're using water, which lends itself so well to tea leaf reading because you're still using the water in the tea to hold the vibration that's going to help the leaves stick to the cup. Okay, so the question about Nostradamus is the way he made his predictions. And though there wasn't a lot written about it, there was enough written about it to know that he used a brass bowl filled with water. And he scried into the water to call out his predictions. He would sometimes hit the bowl to cause vibrations in the water to get pictures from. He would sometimes add fragrant leaves and sticks and flower petals to 
create pictures to get vibration from. And so he was a hydromancer. And that I just found completely fascinating because he is one of, you know, he is a, a prophet or a seer that still holds relevance 500 years later. People are still talking about the things that he has predicted or seen. And he saw those in water and he saw those in his mind's eye. He got through the gatekeepers and he focused on the vision and pulled it through. Now, who are the gatekeepers? So, you know, it's what I call the gatekeepers as, you know, somebody who has practiced magic for a long time, whether you are water gazing, crystal ball gazing, mirror gazing, black mirror gazing, like mirror gazing, you gaze straight into your eyes, right? And you don't stop and you, that they say that's a way you can start to see your past lives. And so when you are doing, and any you kind can of- also do that with water, not just with mirror. Yeah, because that is hydromancy. That is, you know, that is a fixed gaze. There is reflection in water. And as I was saying, water is a living entity. You know, it has the cycle that goes around. So there's a lot of information that's carried through water. And as you're gazing, it takes an extreme amount of focus to really see something. It's unlike tarot cards or palm reading or tea leaf reading where you see symbols that you can interpret. So when you are gazing, you are really looking deep to pull out vision. And when you are doing so sometimes, and you don't want to blink because you don't want to mess, you know, you don't want to break the concentration. But what I have found 98% of the time, everybody that I've talked to When you are truly gazing, the first few things that people see kind of scare them. It's kind of like maybe you'll see a dark face or something swing by or something that might look frightening. And I call those the gatekeepers. And if you can get past that into the real information you're seeking, into what you really want to know the answers to, it's just fire from there. There's so many things you can see. And I just think that's the way, you know, your, your guardian angels are, are taking care of you. Do you want to go the next step further? Because you might see things that you're not ready to see, or you might see things that, you know, you're not ready to, to know how to process. So I see the gatekeepers, those flashy, crazy, weird images as just making sure you can go the next level as you scry deeper into the water, the crystal balls, the mirrors, and to have the power inside your soul, the strength to walk forward and to see. And that's what you're asking The strength and courage. (laughs) The strength and courage to see. And a lot of times that's what people will say is, oh no, I tried that once, it scared me. Mm-hmm. And so then they're trapped in this fear and they're like kind of scared. You've, we've all met those people. Oh no, I, I, I can't do that. I saw, I, scared, I got scared. And right. I hate to see those people stuck there because there's so much more beyond that. If you just have that strength inside that allows you to push through and that's with anything, driving a car, drive, you know, whatever it is, you have that strength to push through and really, um, break through and and become like all heroes have fear right so they have all this this scary stuff before they break through and have this courageous moment or this moment of learning you know we never start out school thinking oh i know everything you're scared to go to school you're scared to start your first day at work and then once you get there once you pass those gatekeepers, once you move through that threshold, those gatekeepers can be anything, your boss, the secretaries, your teachers, or it can be things in a more esoteric sense that you're seeing deep from within your mind's eye. So um, you're you, in that case, you're just using a cup of water or are you using tea? 
in that? Yes, you can use water for sure. <laughs> I use tea because that's my magic medium. That's tea magic right. to me. And I like a really dark cup of tea that I can look into similar to using a dark mirror or obsidian to scry into. Um, if you're using plain water, that's similar to a crystal ball. So it's really clear vision. If you're using lake water or river water, all of those things have a different um, element and vibration to them. So you can use ocean water to scry with. You can never use ocean water to drink, but you can use it to scry with because that has a whole universal Gaia womb vibration to it. And so you might not want, you can't, you don't put tea into the ocean water, but you can use it to scry. That's hydromancy. Okay, good. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. So um, then then let's go into actually tea leaf reading. You were pretty funny in the book about that, <laughs> about you. your first try on that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a mess. So I really didn't pick up tea leaf reading until probably about, I don't know, five or so, six, seven, gosh, time flies, maybe seven, eight years ago, um, when I just really started getting into what tea really meant. I mean, I have a tea company called Kitchen Witch Gourmet, and I am around tea all the time, but I, and I get tea leaf reading for sure. I just never something that I practiced and mainly because, you know, and when you go to psychic fairs and stuff or go to readers, usually tea leaf reading is not offered because it's a little bit messy. It takes a long time to get through the cup of tea. And so to talk about tea leaf reading, I'm going to come back to the water. So when you're sitting with your tea and you're, say you're just for, from eons back, right? It's, 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 you know, say a mother and a daughter, a grandmother and a granddaughter, it's whoever. And you're sitting there and you're, it, tea, tea bags were only invented about a hundred years ago. Not even that long. Yeah. About a hundred years ago. So before it was always, you would just put the leaves in the pot or in the tea and they would end up in your cup. So that's kind of how the scrying tea leaf reading began. Right. So, you're drinking tea with your grandma and you're talking, oh, that no good so-and-so, you know what he did and I just can't believe it. And so you, you're you having this conversation back and forth while you're drinking your tea. And water, the vibration that is carried in water through our voices, through the movement of our bodies as we hold this and we're talking about this and say you get to the end of your cup of tea and you realize that these leaves are stuck and man, this looks like an ax and you need to get rid of this no good so-and-so. So that's kind of how it started, right? Just reading your tea leaves together with your family, your friend, your girlfriend, your mama, your auntie, your nanny, and just giving really good heartfelt advice, right? Or it can be opposite. It doesn't have to be negative. Like, oh, I'm so in love. He's so beautiful. We're going to, you know, I, I really think he's the one. And then you get down to the bottom of your tea and you're like, oh, I see a wedding ring and this looks like a chapel. And I think marriage is coming. So that's the basics of tea leaf reading. So Do you have to have the intent or can you just have a cup of tea and see what happens? You know, yes, see what you can have out. a cup of tea and see what happens. Yeah, I think it started out as when people were talking, the vibrations would fall. So mm -hmm. when you are going to a tea leaf reader and you're having your tea, they'll often talk to you beforehand about what's going on because it takes a few minutes to get through a cup of tea, right? It really does. Yeah. Excuse me. And so... As you get through the cup of tea, well, even if you don't say what you're asking, you're still holding that vibration in your body, things that you want to know, things that have been in your mind. Maybe your guardian angels that walk with you are like, okay, I'm going to show you through these leaves. I'm going to rock with you. I'm going to move this for you. And as you finish the tea, but the, you know, oftentimes I'll put the, the, dish on top the tea um, saucer, saucer on top flip it over and see the way that it sticks to the cup and then you start the tea leaf reading so I'm gonna so if you're using like a standard like English kind of teacup with a handle 
I like to say that the handle represents the person that's being read for or you if you're reading your own tea leaves. So that's a good basis to start with. So if things are really close to the handle, that's things that are happening right now for you. If things are away Does the from handle you, have to be toward you or does it matter? Not necessarily. It's just, okay. you know, I just am holding it that way because I'm pointing it to me. Um, Keep in mind, I'm, we're on radio. <laughs> whatever. Oh, you don't? Oh, I didn't yeah. know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it's, and then the further away, like the opposite side of the um, cup of the handle is things that are happening far away. And, you know, or for somebody else. No, just, well, if it's happening to you far, far, far away. If okay. usually when you're reading tea leaves, it's really about who you're reading for because you're the one or they're the ones holding the cup. They're the ones that are vibrating into the water. So unlike a tarot card reading where you can go and ask about so-and-so that then the, it'll flip over, you know, oh, the Knight of Swords or the Queen of Cups, you know, can represent those people. Tea leaf reading is really about the person that you're reading for or that's getting the reading because it's mm -hmm. really so personal and intimate. I mean, we are water, we're 90% water. So we start to all kind of move together, vibrate together as you hold the cup of tea. Mm -hmm. So then how do you do it? So, so now you've had your tea and at the end of it, you know, always there's a little liquid in the bottom, it seems like to me. Sure. And then you put the saucer on top. Is the saucer facing up or facing Oh, you know, it doesn't down. matter because what you're trying to do, and usually people will put like a little cocktail napkin or a napkin um, between the cup and saucer just to absorb that little bit of water. And so you put the, the napkin over the saucer and then you turn it upside down. So napkin side plate on top of the cup, you can have them do a swirl and then flip the cup over. So you're getting the leaves to stick to the cup the napkin is going to absorb a little bit of the water. That's the best way. And it's least messy. And it's just to catch that little bit of water. So then once the leaves are stuck to the cup, you can start to then interpret the leaves. And the first thing to know is that the handle represents the person you're reading for or the person that the reading is about. And then you can divide the cup in quarters and you can go, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 within those quarters. And you can say, oh, this is going to happen in, within the next three months. And this is going to happen within the next six months. And six months would be directly opposite of the handle. And then the next nine months, so kind of like a clock, you could kind of visualize the numbers um, that can work with not only numbers, but like zodiac signs. If you're real comfortable and you know where the zodiac signs lie, you can kind of envision that on the face on the cup top. Um, months also, January, February, March, April, uh, dates, birthdays, you know, you can kind of get within that. So as things are higher to the rim of the cup, that's things that are happening sooner if and, and more relevant things that are in the left in the bottom of the cup, that's kind of stuff left in the past, stuff that's not as relevant. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, there's plenty of books out there that say, oh, an anchor represents being held down or, oh, a tree means, you know, fertility or family. And I would say, if you get a hold of one of those books, fantastic, you know, but that's not the end all be all. Because if an anchor can show up if your partner is a sailor or if, you know, the symbols can mean different things to different people. And so I always recommend that you really vibrate on what you see first, rather than trying to remember what's in somebody's book or some little symbol or something. So if you see a bird and a bird to you represents, represents something that's going to take flight, something something that's going to bloom and move. Or maybe that that bird came to you as a dove and a dove represents peace. Then go with peace rather than flight. So even though the book might've said flight, you saw a dove and you believe doves mean peace, go with that first. Mm -hmm. And it's never gonna look exact. You know, you gotta 
your eye is going to take it in and that's what you're going to see. And if you see it, say it, don't over, don't overthink it because then you'll lose the vision. You'll lose the vibration. Is it a little bit like scrying? You just kind of have to stare at it for a bit. That's correct. You have to stare at it. As it comes through. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, um, you know, by dividing the cup into quarters, three, six, nine, 12, that will help like, okay, this is, let, let me look what's happening right now in the first one, two, three months and this side of the cup, or if there's nothing on that side of the cup and it's all over in the, you know, seven, eight, nine, then you let's, let's go over here. Oh, if it's all by the handle. This is all you ladybug. What's going on? Or if it's far away, like, okay, well, you need to work to bring this to you. So having a cup can definitely help. Now, in Chinese cups, there's no handle. Oh, so you don't get <laughs> yeah. you don't get the the little cheat of the handle, but it's still the same. You can still just roll it around and see the picture and and interpret. And reading tea leaves is a difficult process because there's no, you know, pictures really like that everybody knows about the king of swords, like a tarot deck, or if you're a cardomancer and you read from a regular deck of playing cards, you know, the five of clubs. I mean, there's not those things telling you, there's not a rune stone telling you it is your interpretation of the leaves and where the vibration of water put them. Or the person who's reading for you, you said you don't read for people. You don't read tea leaves for people much. I do privately. Um, I'm not open to booking appointments for um, tea leaf reading. Um, being a reader, I think we're all very capable of it. Of course, I can do it. I, I definitely am an intuitive, magical person with with abilities to see my main focus right now in life is my tea company. And I find when I do readings for people, it really is draining. And I, I find that also I, I give good readings. And so they keep coming back. And that frustrates me because I feel like do the work first, like go and really try to put that into action. And so I don't have time to help the people that want to keep coming back or that need the help. I feel that sometimes it just becomes very draining. So I don't like to read publicly. Um, I can, I do, I have, there's rules that are always broken, but on the whole, I don't, I, mm -hmm. I would prefer to teach a class on how to read tea leaves. And when I do teach classes on tea leaf reading, of course, I go through to all the cups and I do a little mini reading and I help them see. But in general, I don't charge money for readings because I, I'm putting my focus and energy other places like writing the book, working in my company, taking care of other things. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you talk about visualization and you have a four part um you know, way to do it, but you go through four parts, breath and chance being part of it. And um, so you kind of help people go through it, learn I how do. to do it that's, themselves. That's, yeah, I do. The whole thing with the book. Oh, when, and uh, there was, I said four parts, but there are really, there's six steps to reading. You know, that's just six notes. You can do it in one. You can do it in all three. Mm -hmm. You can do it in six. You can bring it all together. Um, when I was writing the book, um, I was so busy in my world. And then the book came along, an opportunity to write the book. And I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to find time to do that? And then yeah. um, the next month, the whole world shut down. And I was like, oh, well, thank you, universe. <laughs> so oh it was God, your fault. Good. It I'm was gonna... your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write this book now. And so... <laughs> There was so much I wanted to put into tea magic besides your basic tea leaf reading and your mm -hmm. basic green tea helps you lose weight. Well, why? So I really right. wanted to bring the meditation and bring in the scrying and bring in the vibration. And so. When, and also the gems, gemstones. Right. And how to use yes. gemstones. And so when you read magical books or like I am not Wiccan, but I am a witch. And so I use gemstones 
And I use gemstones with my tea. And I thought, wow, man, people might be interested in that. You know, mm -hmm. I use, you know, I scry, I do hydromancy. I think people would be into that. You know, I do all kinds of weird things with my teapot and my moon water. And I'm like, well, I think <laughs> people would be into that. And there's really no book out there about that. But mm -hmm. there's so many books out there about how to charge moon water, how to use crystals, mm -hmm. how to use tarot cards. And so it's putting it all together and how you can use mm -hmm. it with tea. I found just so much fun. And then I also found, you know, well, I digress. But, you know, talking about when you the, meditating with the tea and putting the vibration in the tea and the breath into tea. So if you were to, let's say, have a cup of tea and you want to make this tea for your, say, your child before they go to bed and you want to make them a nice nighty night cup of tea. So maybe it has a little lavender in it, a little chamomile, you know, just things that are going to be calming and soothing. If you whisper or if you don't want to whisper, when you say with your vibrational voice, I love you, sleep well, sweet dreams. I love you, sleep well, sweet dreams. And then you give that to your child to drink. Not only are they getting the benefits of the lavender and the chamomile, but they're also getting the benefits of the vibration of your voice that you've imprinted on the tea, that you are loved, that you will have sweet dreams, and that you will sleep well. And I thought that's something that's so overlooked in the magical community, what we actually put into our bodies. And we all know health and wellness, but when you are really drinking with intent, and I think where this is really practiced is prayer over food. When you pray over your food, you're really putting the thanks and the gratitude into your food. And that doesn't mean you have to be religious to pray over your food, but that's why you do it. You give gratitude, you give thanks, you give love, you're welcoming your family together. So in a simple cup of tea, you can, you can really give your child love to take in. Even if you're drawing that heart sigil into your cup of tea and that heart symbol is universally known as love. So that's so easy to imbue. So it doesn't have to be something that you've made up, but something so universal. We've got about three minutes left, and I'm going to ask you about um, the tea parties honoring the dead and the, uh, dancing with the dead. And before I go there, though, what we're skipping over is the gemstones. I mentioned them. They're in her book. And she goes through all the different stones and the shapes of the stones and uh, what is safe to actually put into your tea. So that is in your book. I wanted to mention that because I don't think we're going to have time for that. Um, fascinating, though. <laughs> but I wanted to get to the spirit communication. <laughs> so... um most all of our ancestors drank tea. Like really, um, we didn't start not, we didn't, America didn't start getting into coffee until the Boston Tea Party. And then we had to have an alternative for our caffeine fix. So when you, they talk about when you are working with the dead or working with ancestors or working with deity, you want to bring an offering. You want to bring an offering of tobacco, flowers, um, any uh, an offering. And bringing a tea as an offering is a really powerful thing to bring. So whether you're offering that to a grandparent or a relative or an ancestor or a deity, that's first said. So when you are having tea with your relatives that have passed, there's a whole section in the book on how to have a tea party with the dead. And I like to say this. So if you are having a, a tea party for your grandfather who, or your grandmother who just passed, you know, six, eight months, a year ago, bring your friends and family together or your family who have all known them, bring them in, have them all bring a memory of that person and sit down and honor them as if they were at the table with you. And you will start feeling their presence there, the vibration again, through the water, through the tea, through our bodies, through the memory and enhancement of having them at the table. And so it's about just honoring them through tea whether it's somebody you knew or somebody that you just want to bring an offering to. And you can bring them loose tea, dry tea, 
you can bring them a cup of hot tea and just set it on your altar or set it in a place that is dedicated to them, maybe a portrait or a picture. And you were going to ask me if, yes, and you're going to ask me what's better, uh, tea bags or loose leaf tea. Right. I prefer loose leaf tea. It's fresher. It's just more full of flavor, but tea bags are so convenient. Um, They tend to be, and there are some tea bag companies that are better than others for sure. But oftentimes the tea bags are just kind of loose and powdery. Those are difficult to do tea leaf readings with, but you can just break open the bags. Loose leaf tea has more, has better leaves that unfurl and um, stick and make different pictures. So if you want kind of a dusty reading with like lots of little spatterings, use a tea bag contents, or if you loose leaf tea, use the tea. There's, it's six and one half. Also, you've also used the tea bag as a um, uh, pendulum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you could be sitting in Starbucks, ordering a cup of tea and, and be all, Hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get that job and yes or no, just like a pendulum, (laughs) because essentially that's what it is. Yeah. Right. Right. I, a quick, what about, um, protection when you're, when you're, um, calling in the dead or, you know, yeah, that's really important communication. That's really important. Definitely start with your own ancestors first, because they're going to be the most loving and trusting and protective of you. And if you are, really just want to kind of see who's out there and, you know, call in other things, you must protect yourself. Um, there's lots of teas and roots that can help you. I'm a big fan of tormatil root can also be called, um, biscuits. It can be called uh, blood root. And it is, um, a root that you want to either, um, make it use up in a tea, you know, mixed with, you know, black tea, You can use it as a spray, make a really, you know, concentrated um, batch of it, let it cool, put it in a spray bottle, maybe with a little bit of sage or a piece of jet stone. You can spray your room, spray your area, spray you. After you are calling in entity, you definitely want to cleanse the space too, so you don't have any lingering ons. Um, Dead often attracts, is often attracted to light and joy. So definitely want to maintain your joy and protect that. And there's a whole section on the book on how to protect yourself. There's a whole section in the book on what to use to bring spirit through to hear them, what to use to bring spirit through to see them, what to use to bring spirit through to to protect yourself if they're talking through you. So that's and protection is so important because oftentimes the dead will, they, the last thing that happened to them is they died. And if they died of a heart attack, they will often show you that their heart hurts. And so you will feel that pain. Or if they were in a car accident, you might all of a sudden just feel your whole body jolt because that's the last thing they felt. And so you want to be able to protect yourself from holding on to their heart attack or holding on to the car wreck that they were in. So that's why you protect yourself and why you cleanse that away. Now, it's not always negative. Sometimes people go surrounded by complete love and complete joy, and you can get that too. So, but most of the time people are coming to you to talk to the dead because they want, they, it was so sudden and they said so they died and they want to know what happened. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, why the people that are that die in complete peace and joy, they pretty much have handled it with their family and then knew it was coming. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So where can we get hold of your book and your teas? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, my tea company is called kitchenwitchgourmet.com. Uh, so you can find us online. Uh, you can find my book online at kitchenwitchgourmet.com also, or you can find it on Amazon or at Llewellyn, our pub, my publisher. And if you've got Amazon, just search Tea Magic Book, T-E-A-M-A-G-I-C, it should pull it up, but if you put book in there, it'll definitely come up quicker. And um, yeah, I would love to sell <laughs> you some great. tea and to drink some tea with you. And um, you can always use the word uh, tea magic 13 for 13% off any purchase that you make on our website. And that's oh, my that's gift great. for you. Yeah, and that'll yeah. be accurate. 
for about a year. So um, Tea Magic 13 on kitchenwitchgourmet.com will save you 13%. Great. Thanks so much for being on. I found your book fascinating and um, so full of information. So everybody needs to buy it and then they need to buy your tea to go with it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Thanks so for much. being on. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.